Welcome to the home of the blessed people, and here is our host pastor, Pastor Dio. Out to do. Praise God. So today, going straight to the study. Last week, generally the Lord has been encouraging us to grow. This is a season where He's telling us to grow up, to get more matured, to grow in the things of God. It is God's desire for our lives we grow. Because we do ourselves a lot of disservice. A lot of disservice we do ourselves if we do not grow. We cheat ourselves. We rob ourselves of the privileges, the rights, the positions we have in God when we do not grow. Things that are ours for the taking, things that are ours regardless, we are not able to possess. We are not able to take over. We are not able to control because we have not grown to the level of taking such. Praise God. And um, as God has been telling us to grow, uh, last week we looked at 10 reasons why we should all, every believer should speak in tongues. We looked at it for the past two weeks actually. We studied four of it in the initial week, then six in the last week, saying these are reasons why we speak in tongues. And those reasons, I believe, are strong enough to propel you to speak with new tongues. Why? If you are a child of God, a born-again Christian, and this is one of the tools God has given us. The Bible says he has given us all these things that we might profit without. It brings profit into our lives. It makes us become what he wants us to be when we speak with new tongues. It energizes us. It strengthens us. Our spirit is built up. Our faith is built up when we pray in tongues. We communicate with heaven. We are stronger as believers. Our spiritual energy and our spiritual entity is of the greater effect. We are sharp. We can pick things of the spirit. We can pick language of the spirit. We can pick signals in the spirit when we speak in tongues. Our faith is strengthened. We become stronger in our belief systems and so on and so forth. I gave you 10 reasons why. I believe God, you haven't forgotten them. You are standing by them and you are memorizing them so that these are energy boosters for you and I to keep on keeping on. Speaking in tongues is not something you should do once a while or when you are in trouble or when things are not going well. That's when you only know how to speak in tongues. There are reasons why we speak in tongues. And I shared those reasons with you. Number, one of the reasons is that it aids in our worship of God. It helps you enter into Shekinah levels, into deep, consecrated presence of God. You must learn how to worship God even in worship with tongues. It brings you to a close union, a strong bonding with God. Hallelujah. You become deeper in your, in, your, in your fellowship, in your worship of God. Praise God. Now, let's quickly go over those 10 reasons. You can look at your notes now. I'm just going to be taking it one by one, just to stir up the atmosphere, just to make sure that you are really, really in line and following these things. Praise God. Number one, who can tell me the first reason? It is the easy initial evidence. It's the evidence that you have a deposit of God in you. That is it. 
It helps you know that there is a deposit of God, that that person that is speaking in tongues has a portion of God on the inside of him. Number two. Number two. It assists us in worship. It assists us in worship. It helps us to get into the crescendo, into the very presence of God. Praise God. It assists us. It helps us when we worship. It brings the atmosphere of heaven. It's like a portion of heaven on the inside of you. And when you engage that portion, it, it just brings the atmosphere of heaven. And like I said in the past weeks that I've been teaching this, it's not in talking. It's in the practicality of it. It's in doing it. Until you do it, you don't experience it. You create time for it. You make sure you worship from time to time. You can say this week, I'm going to use 20 minutes to worship in spirit. Every day, you are timing yourself. You are doing it consistently. By the time 20 minutes becomes an hour, you won't even know. You are growing in it. Amen. Number three. You can bring it in any order. Number three. Okay, I know you I know you you paid attention, you were there in those two. You have given us two already, so I will suspend you for a while. Praise God. That's a godly suspension. Amen. Because you have passed automatic promotion. Amen. Now, okay, the rest of us, let's look at our notes. Let's look at I want you to communicate. You see, it's by participate. Let's go on. Number three. Have we done three, right? Two. We've done two. The third one. You can put it in any order. You don't have to follow the order I give you. It makes you consciously aware of God's presence. It tells you that you're a carrier of God. You brought God. That's, the, that's one of the best ones I know. Anytime you speak, you become God conscious. Hey, he's here. He's on the inside of me. I'm a carrier of his presence. Praise God. Number four. Number four. Yes, sir. It helps us to yield our members. Members for training. Members to be yielded to God. Helps you submit your members under the tutelage and the instructions of the Spirit. Sometimes our members like misbehaving. The tongue wants to be misbehave. The ears wants to eavesdrop. The tongue wants to talk nonsense. The, the mouth wants to eat anything. The stomach is not cooperating with fasting like in a few days. It helps you yield your members. It helps you yield your members. The Lord, let this be an instrument of righteousness. Your hand wants to go and touch things it shouldn't touch. Praise God. I yield this hand over to you. Your leg wants to go places it shouldn't go. Helps you to yield. Amen. Number five? Six? Five or six? Five. Yeah, number five. It eliminates selfishness in prayers. Eliminate selfishness in prayers. Yes? Six? Six. It helps us 
trust God more freely. Wow. Minister Gwenga was emphasizing that last week when he was even leading us in the offertory. Helps us to trust God more freely. To trust him. Total trust. That's what the Spirit does. He builds it unconsciously on the inside of you. Yes? Let's take one more, then we'll go on with today. Uh, let's take somebody else. You have taken. Who else? Yes, yes, yes. If you haven't spoken, I'll call your name. So you better speak. Speak up, speak out, speak loud. Some people are praying in tongues that, Pastor, don't call my name. Hallelujah. That's why we wrote it on the board. It's for you to remember as well. Sister Onyida Mola. Onyida Mola Aziz. Praise God. So, okay, let me give you an exemption. You are not around last week, so you are not around last week. But you see, we miss out when, when, okay, who's going to help bail us out? Who's going to bail us out? Okay, Sister Gao, you haven't spoken. Okay, Sister Onida Mola said she wants to speak, even though I wasn't around last week. I was here in the spirit. But it was not here in flesh. Okay. It provides re- one of the ways of resting. Wow. Oh, wow. It provides rest. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Let's quickly go to today's topic. Now, today I want to share with you seven steps in receiving the Holy Ghost. In receiving the Holy Ghost. Again, because of the nature of the teaching, I will not want to rush the sermon. So I've decided to break it into two. I wanted to teach the whole sermon today and even minister in the Holy Ghost. Because some people, and the way I'm going to minister in the Holy Ghost, God of the days, ever since I could say more than seven years ago, I've released that to the members of the church. Amen? And my ministers should do that. Because you see, Ministering in the Holy Ghost is not for a special set of people. It's for every believer. Amen? And if God is telling us to grow and mature, let me tell you, you that you are sitting down there, don't bring people to pastor to minister in the Holy Ghost to them. You can minister in the Holy Ghost to those people who don't have the Holy Ghost around you. By the grace of God, since the age of 17, 18, thereabout, I've been ministering to people, baptism of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking with truth. Of. The Holy Spirit just corrected me. It's not, uh, when I, it's, not, uh, it's not 17 years ago. I mean, since I was 15 that I've been doing that. Praise God. There's nothing big about it. It's a big thing, but there's nothing big about ministry. Every believer. How many believers? Every believer is given the grace to do that. So I want you to prepare because this lesson is in twofold. Number one is good for that person who has not received the Holy Ghost before to know the why and the how to receive the Holy Spirit. And for those who have already received the Holy Ghost, to be able to minister it to 
to those who have not received it at all. Amen? And please follow carefully. If you follow these steps very carefully, ministering the Holy Ghost will be so simple. By the time you put people through, before you even lay hands on anybody, you see they are started speaking in tongues. Why? Because the teachings will help everyone understand. And when the Holy Spirit is understood, it's easy to manifest with the evidence of speaking with new tongues. Let's quickly go through some scriptures as a foundation. Then we begin to do the steps. John 14, verses 16 and 17. John 14, 16 and 17. John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. This comforter that will be given, he will abide with us for how long? Forever. Now, the Bible says he will give you another comforter. Who was speaking here? Jesus. He was talking to his disciples that he's going to pray to the Father and he shall give you another comforter. Now, who is the first comforter? Because he said, another comforter. So who is the first comforter? Jesus himself is the first comforter. Because he will never leave us, he will never forsake us, he will be with us. When we don't deny him, he doesn't deny us and so on. But now, he said, look, I, Jesus, I will only be at a particular place in a particular time, in a particular season. For example, Jesus Christ can only be in St. Catherine's, Ontario at one time. He cannot be in Toronto. He cannot be in Calgary. He cannot be in Manitoba at the same time. He can go there, but physically speaking, he cannot be there at the same time. But this Holy Spirit, the other comforter that is coming, because he told them, he said, it is more beneficial that I go away. The reason why it is more beneficial is because he can be with you, he can be with her, he can be with your brother in Australia at the same time. So he said it's more expedient, it is beneficial, it pays you off if I go, because I can only be at one place at one time. But if I go, I can be everywhere at the same time in the person of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Then he went on, he said, even the spirit of truth, that is one thing about the Holy Ghost. Everything in the spirit is the same in Jesus. The G- Jesus is the word of God, isn't it? So let's take the word and the spirit. It's called the spirit of truth. It's called the word of truth. It's called the spirit of life. It's called the word of life. It's called the spirit of grace. It's called the word of grace. Everything you see in the world is in the spirit. Everything in the spirit is in the world. Do you understand? That's why I called him another comforter. He's the first comforter. He's the other comforter. Praise God. 
Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Acts chapter 2, quickly, 32 and 33. I got to move faster. Whoa. Is my wristwatch correct? It's time to wait. Okay, we are moving faster. This Jesus God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses, therefore being received of the Father, the promise of the Holy Ghost, he had shed forth this which ye now see here. Praise God. Like I said, this study is to help those who haven't received the Holy Ghost at all, and is to help those who have received the Holy Ghost to, re- to be able to minister the Holy Ghost to others. Now, I'm going to go through seven steps. Like I said, maybe I can get to four, maybe I can get to three today, but let us go as fast as we can. Amen. Step one. The first thing you need to do is to help the believer or the candidate for the Holy Ghost to see that God has already given the Holy Spirit and that it is now up to the person to receive God's free gift. Now, some people will say, give me the Holy Ghost. Give me the Holy Ghost. Mm -mm. The Holy Ghost is already given. You have to know that from the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit arrived here on this earth, the Holy Spirit has not left. The Holy Spirit is where? Is here. So we don't pray, God give me the Holy Spirit. No, that's a wrong prayer. Praise God. What you do to what has been given already is to do what? To receive it. So help the person understand that the Holy Spirit has been given already. All the person needs to do is to receive the Holy Ghost. This is the major reason why many Christians don't speak in tongues. Because they have not received the Holy Spirit. They haven't received the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's given already. Praise God. Help that believer see he is not to beg for the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Holy Spirit is given already in Acts chapter 2. That was what was happening in the place I was quoting for you. That was uh, Peter quoting to the people that this is the manifestation of the promise that was given a long time ago. Praise God. Praise God. So it came on the day of Pentecost and has been here ever since. The Holy Spirit has been given. Everybody say that. The Holy Spirit has been given to humanity. Now all we're here to do, all we need to do for the Holy Ghost is to receive the Holy Spirit. And let us see what the Apostle Paul said about this same thing in Acts 19, 1 to 6. Can we quickly read that? Acts 19, 1 to 6. Quickly because of our time. So what's the first point I'm emphasizing here? That you should make the candidate or the believer that wants to receive the Holy Spirit, what should you make known to the person and clear to the person that the Holy Spirit is already given? So what does he need to do to the Holy Spirit? 
to receive the Holy Spirit. Make it clear. It's given already. Amen. Okay, and it came to pass that while Apollos, according Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Verse 2. Oh, you've got to move fast, my friend. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto, unto what then were ye baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. And then said, John, then said Paul, John verily baptized the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with new tongues and prophesied. They spoke with new tongues and prophesied. Paul did not tell these disciples to pray that God will give them the Holy Ghost because the Holy Spirit is already given. In verse 6, he said, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spoke with new tongues. The Holy Spirit did what? It came on them and spoke and they spoke with new tongues. Let us see another place, Acts chapter 8, verse 14 and 15. I want to show you from the scripture that those who received the Holy Spirit... They didn't beg for the Holy Spirit to come. No, the Holy Spirit is already given. They only received the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Acts chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. This happened some years after the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 8 was written years after the day of Pentecost. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God concerning salvation, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. What did they pray for them for? That they might receive. Not that Holy Ghost come. Holy, mm -mm. That they might what? Receive the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is to be Received. Everybody say received. All right. That's what you do. I'm showing you scriptures to, conf to confirm and to let you understand that the Holy Spirit is being received. Is being received. They did not pray that God would give the Samaritans the Holy Ghost. They laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. That's in Acts 8, 17. We can see Acts 8, 17 as well, quickly. Acts 8, 17. And they laid their hands on them, and they did what? They received the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has already been given to believers to receive. Everybody say after me, the Holy Ghost has been given to everyone that believes to receive the Holy Ghost. That's it. Holy Ghost is to be received. God bless you. That's a good one. Number two, what is the next step to do? Show the person who has come to receive the Holy Ghost or the candidate of the Holy Ghost that anyone who is saved 
is ready immediately to receive the Holy Spirit. Some people will say, eh, I'm not ready. Some people will say, oh, uh, uh, let me wait one more year. Some people will say, oh, uh, let me, excuse me, when are you to receive the Holy Ghost? Immediately. Write it down, immediately. Once after salvation, you get saved. In the church I attended to have graduated into ministry, of course, my spiritual father, I bring you out of a job. In Rema Chapel is still a tradition to date. The day you get saved, the day you get born again, that's the day you are receiving the Holy Spirit. It is still a tradition in the church. In fact, this is how we make altar call in Rema Chapel. If you are saved and you are baptized with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, raise up your hand. Then, you put down your hand. The minister will say again. Now, all those who that did not raise their hand, come out. Oh, yes. That's how we see the altar call. Praise God. In one of the Rema installations, I still went to preach there, my last trip overseas. I, I just laughed when I still saw, I said, this thing has been there for the past 35 years. It has not changed. Praise God. So anyone who is saved, so some people wonder, oh, why are they doing it like that? I'm giving you scriptures now. Why is it done that way? Immediately, you are saved. You're a candidate of receiving the Holy Spirit. That's why I like the Ethiopian Enoch. He was just being taught about baptism. And while they were still teaching him on baptism, he said, this is what I hear. He said, what is now stopping us from being baptized? He said, let us go and do it straight. I love people like that immediately. Faith is when? Now. Amen. So Acts 2, 37 and 38. Acts 2, 37 and 38. Write it down so that you won't forget these things. Now, when they, that is, the unsaved multitude who gathered as a result of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and to whom Peter had preached, quoting Joel's prophecy. When they had heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what do we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remissions of sins, and ye receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He said, repent, be baptized. Let's look at it again. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. How many of you? Every one of you. In whose name? In the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is repent. Get saved. And when you get saved, what will you receive? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Immediately you are qualified. When somebody is saved, is qualified. The only thing that can stop you from receiving the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with new tongues if, if you are not saved. You know, some people can be in church because their parents were born in church. Some people 
are in church because their father was the one who contributed all the pews in church. And they grew up in church system. And they believe that they are Christians. No, that's not what makes you a Christian. Oh, I've been going to church ever since my mama used to take me to church, kindergarten, till I got to university. I'm still going to church because it's our family tradition. That's not what gets you saved. You are saved because you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You took a personal decision, not a parental decision. Amen? It's not your friend's decision. It's not the association decision. It's a what? It's a personal. You have come to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Then you are saved. Then the Bible says immediately, you are qualified to receive what? The gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 38 helps us to see that anyone saved is immediately ready to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Glory be to God. Some think there are certain things they have to do to qualify to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For example, oh, I need to do restitution. Oh, I need to be more holy. I need to be clean. I need to, I need to, uh, I, I need to overcome these habits before I receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it is the Holy Spirit that will help you to overcome that habit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Holy Spirit is for immediate reception. It's going to help you to grow. Some of the things you struggle with in life is because of the presence of a Holy Ghost that is not in full measure. It's not in the overflowing measure. It's not in the measure of the evidence of speaking with new tongues. Praise God. So once we confess our sins, the Bible says the blood cleanses us, according to 1 John 1, 9. And some believe you have to follow certain codes or standards or do's and do's before they receive the Holy Ghost. Some people believe that you have to dress in a certain way. You have to dress like a Christian. You have to change your wardrobe before you can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in new tongues. No, a thousand times no. Some people think, oh, it's your hairstyle. Your hairstyle is not godly enough. Like I was telling somebody today, I said, ah, this hairstyle, <laughs> Jesus is Lord, glory be to God. <laughs> Praise God. It, it has nothing to do, hallelujah, with receiving the Holy Ghost. in your salvation. Are you listening to me? So some believe you have to follow certain traditions. No. Some have managed. Some have even said, oh, you have to be perfect to some degree before you can get the Holy Ghost. No. However, even the great Apostle Paul said he wasn't perfect. And he had the Holy Ghost. So let me break that to you quickly. Come as you are. The only condition to receiving the Holy Ghost is your salvation. Are you saved? Have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? That's all that is needed. The rest is the Holy Spirit that will deal with it for you. Is that clear? Philippians 3, 12 and 13. 
Let some people say, where did Apostle Paul say all that? Philippians 3, 12 and 13. Uh, young lady, young man, whoever is on the slide, you got to help me. Yeah. Not as though I had already attained. Not as though I'm already perfect. Neither already perfect. But I follow after. If I may apprehend that for which I'm also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Verse 14. Glory be to God. I press toward the mark and the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Whoever is on the slide, you are really encouraging my Christian faith. Praise God. I just remembered flashback. <laughs> Ten years ago, you can't do that to me in the middle of a message. Praise God. I will get you thoroughly saved after the service. Amen. Come on, let's appreciate the person on the slide. Days of little beginning. Amen. Praise God. If you think you can do all things by yourself, then you would not need the Holy Ghost. Amen. Even carnal Christians can be filled by the Holy Ghost. How do I know that? That carnal Christians, that is Christians that are still ruled by their senses. They need the Holy Ghost. They are being ruled by their senses because they don't have the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Amen. Even carnal Christians need the Holy Ghost because the Bible says to the Corinthian Christians who were carnal, they were carnal, they were described as carnal Christians. And Paul prayed for them that they will not be behind in any of the gifts. 1 Corinthians 1.7. Praise God. So he was not endorsing carnality. He was not saying carnality is the way forward. He was getting them to grow out of it. How would they go out of it? By receiving the Holy Ghost. So that they can be spirit-ruled, spirit-led, and not sense-led and sense-ruled. Praise God. He was getting them to grow out of it. Glory be to God. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost because... Then the power of God will help us when we are filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 1 8 says, He shall receive what? Power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It increases the power level with which you operate. There are things you say should go, they will not go because there's no power. But when your power increases, when the authority behind your voice increases, demons know, principalities know, powers know, rulers of the darkness of this world, they know, spiritual wickedness in high places, they know. But the question is, are you generating that stuff? Are you generating that power? Does your word carry weight in the realm of the spirit? Hallelujah. This was what Paul was trying to achieve, getting them to be more strong as believers. He said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This is what gets you there, the Holy Ghost. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. Come on, say it loud, the Holy Ghost. 
Therefore, if a person is saved, he's ready to receive the Holy Ghost. When? Now. Everybody say now. Because now faith is. It's now. It's not later. It's now. Anyone given the opportunity, receive it now. I've read of stories of Christians who had waited for the Holy Ghost for years. I experienced one. I don't even have to talk about somebody who has waited for the Holy Ghost for years. My father, my natural father, tried to receive the Holy Spirit. I knew that was one thing he wanted. That was one thing he longed for. That was one thing he desired. But till his death, he didn't, he, he didn't get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Why? He, well, he wasn't going to a Pentecostal church then. And, uh, uh, well, the gifts of the Holy Spirit was not common in those days. Let's put it that way. It wasn't a common phenomenon. It's not, the prophecy had not been fulfilled that in the 90s, how the word of God will cover the whole earth as waters covers the sea. Praise God. And he longed. And I've, I've read of Christians for 30 years, they have been believing God for the Holy Ghost. They will cry, they will thirst, they will do all that simply because they just didn't know how. The revelation has not come from God's word. Now, you have learned two things so far. I've shared two things with you. I'm going to seven. The first one is that the Holy Spirit is to be received. What's number two? They have, they've been, mm, mm, close, close, okay, okay. Everyone, uh-huh. okay, he missed it immediately, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just got in there, but it's good, it's good. Clap for her, clap for her. You did put up your hand when we asked the question. Amen. Thank you. Can immediately receive the Holy Ghost. When can he receive? Immediately. Don't forget those things. Don't forget. Because tradition over the years, I wish my own natural father saw this one. He would have been able to do it. And you know, the scripture is not, it's not a respect of person. His own father was a priest. His own father was an Anglican reverend. Still, they did stumble on that. Amen? Oh, you can't receive it immediately. Immediately. Praise God. I was telling my son one day when I was driving him to school, and that's when we normally bond in tongues, and we just pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost. And I was telling him, I said, son, you know a great privilege you are enjoying. I wish I could do this with my father. I didn't have that privilege. Praise God. Now we can speak in the heavenly language and ra-ta-ta-ta-ta in the car. And he's energized. Praise God. Our day is presented before the Lord. We have put power into the day. Amen. So you come back home with your ace and daddy will come back with promotion from work. Glory be to God. What a combination. Amen. Isn't that good in the Holy Ghost? Glory be to God. Step number three. Tell the candidates that when you lay hands on them, they are to receive the Holy Ghost. When hands are laid, what are they receiving? The Holy Ghost. Now, hand laying is a point of contact. 
Praise God. But you have to let them know that when you lay hands on them, they are to receive what? The Holy Ghost, not the feeling of your hands. They are to receive what? The Holy Ghost. Anyone can lay hands on another in faith, for God honors faith. Anyone can do that. However, there is also a ministry of laying of hands. That is different. And some are used along these lines more than the others. All right? Some people are already used in laying of hands. Is it for faith? Is it for sickness? And so on and so forth. Anyone can lay their hands on a person in faith as a point of contact and tell them, this is your time. This is your moment. This is your season. This is the hour you have been waiting for. Right now, you are receiving the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost now. Amen. The Holy Ghost is received by faith, and faith is always now. Faith is always when? It's the present tense. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is. Faith is when? Now. So let me quickly demonstrate that. Oh, we can't COVID laying of hands. Okay, let's lay hands on this. Praise God. So you can lay hands, amen, on someone and speak the word of faith to the person. That right now, this moment, you receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. And your hand is just a point of contact. Praise God. It's a point of release of faith that you will receive it now. And when you do that, the power of God goes into operation. Praise God. So let the person know. Amen. Oh, you're not following me. I said, tell the candidate. Let the person know that when you lay hands on them, they are to what? Receive the Holy Ghost. Because there was a time Paul laid hands on them and they what? Received the Holy Ghost. So when this hand touches you, just receive. It's a point of contact. Amen. Praise God. So let's go over it one more time. Number one. Number one. Number one. To, he has been given already, and what do we do to the Holy Ghost? We receive. Uh, that's what I want to hear. We receive the Holy Ghost. Number two. Number two. Oh, it should be flowing now. It should be flowing. Come on. Who is saved is ready to receive. Can receive the Holy Ghost when? Immediately. Immediately is what I'm looking for. Not only ready to receive, but will receive it when? Immediately. 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 Don't waste time. Immediately. And I've given you scriptures for that. Number three. Number three. That's the last one I gave you now. Tell the candidate that when you lay hands on them, Acts 19.6, that's the scripture. What happens when you lay hands on them? What they receive the Holy Ghost. That's it. They receive the Holy Ghost. Number four, and I think this is where 
I'll put a stop to it today, even though I feel like rushing the thing, but uh, no. Step four, tell the candidate or let the candidate know what to expect as he receives the Holy Spirit. What are the expectations? What are the expectations? Let the candidate know because if the candidate does not know what to expect, the person will be confused. Don't say, when I lay hands on you, you receive the Holy Ghost. Then when the person begins to see some funny things, he will shut it down. So you let them know what to expect. It's getting critical now. You let them know what to expect. You let them know what to expect. You let them know what? What to expect. You let them know what to expect as they receive the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, he won't know what is happening around him. He won't know. So let them know what to expect. A lot of people, when, when okay, let, let me, so that I don't blow time. I wanted to go to another story, but no. Tell the candidate he is to expect the Holy Spirit to move upon his vocal cords. Expect it. The Holy Spirit will move on your vocal cords and put supernatural words in your lips, which he will have to speak out in cooperation with the Holy Ghost. That's what he's to expect. He's to expect to speak out. There will be supernatural words vocabulary that's going to be in the region of your lips, in the region of your heart. Supernatural. Going to be planted there. You want to move the world, but you say, no, nonsense. What am I saying? No. If you don't let them expect, they will shut that supernatural move. They will shut it down. Praise God. So, supernatural words will come on their lips. Their vocal cords will be having a kind of prompting. Praise God. There will be a prompting. And let me demonstrate that for you. In order to be ready to speak with new tongues, you can't keep your mouth closed. If you want to drink water, do you close your mouth? And what happens to all the water you are drinking? When you close your mouth, oh, there's no cup here to demonstrate that. If you close your mouth, you want to drink water, and what's the first thing you do when you want to drink water? You got to open your mouth. So when you want to speak with new tongues, you got to encourage the person to open his or her mouth, ready to speak. Ready to speak. Ready to speak. I hope you are listening to this. You are listening. You must be ready. Now, a lot of people have lost this opportunity because they shut down or they were not told the expectation or they just said something funny is going on. I don't know. Praise God. But you see, when the Holy Ghost comes, these are things that will be happening. Amen? You can write them down. 
your vocal cords, the Holy Spirit will move on the vocal cords and put supernatural words in your lips. But you have to speak it out yourself. The candidate, you have to let them know. Nobody will speak for you. Holy Spirit will not speak for you. That's what some, some, some people are waiting for the Holy Spirit to speak the words for them. No. Paul said in Acts 19.6, he laid hands on them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and who spoke with new tongues? They spoke with new tongues. It is you that will do the speaking. Praise God. With the help or cooperation of the Holy Spirit, the words, the vocabularies will be given to you. Remember, the person is the one who does the actual speaking, not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives the utterance, but man does the actual speaking. The Holy Spirit gives the utterance, man does the actual speaking. I'll repeat that. The Holy Spirit does the utterance, but man does the actual speaking. Let's see what the Bible says about the believer's role in speaking in tongues and the Holy Spirit's role in giving utterance. Believer's role is speaking in tongues. You are to speak the words. But what's the Holy Spirit's role in giving the utterance? Are you getting something out of this? Please talk to me. Are we getting something? Uh, because next time is you going to minister the Holy Ghost. Where is uh, Victorine? Vicky, where is Victorine? Victorine, uh-huh. You remember one conference I took you guys to? Uh-huh. I took them to, uh, there was a young adults conference in uh, one of the zones, I think it's the zone in Markham. And uh, maybe for she was in the act, very active with the young adults group there, maybe about seven years ago. Am I correct? Seven or five years, seven, five years ago or something? Huh? Again? About seven years ago, yeah, I remember. And we went there, praise God. And I discovered that a lot of young people are not baptized with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in Utah. And I brought all the young adults in Royal House. I think about five of us went that day, eh? five. And I, they were in front. I said, I'm not going to lay hands with them. And they all came out, the, as many people who had not received the Holy Ghost. And every one of them received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in little. What I'm saying is this teaching, I've done it also years ago. And that's the product. Amen? And ever since, they have been doing it. Praise God. So we want more of that in this generation. Amen? More of the young people speaking with new tongues. I hope you are paying attention. I hope you are paying attention. Acts 2.4. Acts 2.4. I said I want to show you from scriptures because it's good to not just talk experience. We talk scripture so you know where the foundation of this thing is from. Then you will be able to minister it also to others. 
And those of us who need a foundation of speaking with new tongues, we can see that this is the Bible. This is what the Word of God says to us. And it's a gift from God to improve, to better my life. Then I should receive it. I should take it. Praise God. Are you there? Acts 2 4. And Acts 2 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Who spoke with other tongues? Okay. Who gave them the utterance? The Holy Ghost. All right, Acts 10, 46. I want you to underline the word utterance and as they spoke. Acts 10, 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then answered Peter. So who spoke with other tongues? They, the human beings there. Acts 19, 6. Acts 19.6, the believers spoke with other tongues. Acts 19.6, are we there? And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with new tongues and prophesied. They spoke with new tongues and prophesied. Acts 14.2, 4 and 5. Acts 14.2, 4 and five. I want you to see it was the responsibility of the candidates to speak. Some people will close their mouth. No. You can't speak in new tongues when your mouth is closed. Even when the tongue wants to come out, mm, 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 we are going to close it because it won't make sense to your mind. Then your mind gets in the way and then you get discouraged. For he that speaketh, you see, no, I said 1 Corinthians 14, 2. Is that for? But the believing Jews stirred up the Gentiles. No. That's Acts 14, 2. I said 1 Corinthians 14, 2, 4, and 5. Or you want to argue with me? Okay, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit he speaketh, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. He speaketh what? Okay, uh, two, four. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. But he that prophesied edified the church. You see, he that speaketh, he that speaketh. That's the emphasis. He that speaketh, he speaks mysteries. He that speaketh, he speaks this, he speaks that. He that speaketh. Verse 4. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edified himself. But, you see, he that speaketh, he that speaketh. So somebody is doing the speaking. Who is doing the speaking? The candidate is the one doing the speaking. Verse 5. Verse 5. I would that ye all speak with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh in tongues, except the interpret that the church may receive edification. Look at it in verse 5. I would that ye all speak with tongues. 
you are still going to do the speaking in tongues. It's you. Hallelujah. First Corinthians 14, 14, 15, and 16. If I pray in an unknown tongue, I speak in tongues more than ye all. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. I am still the one doing to speak. See again in verse 15. What is it then? I will pray in the spirit and I will pray with understanding. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 14, 27 and 28. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, you see, it's still man that is going to speak. So the speaking is your responsibility. That's what I want you to see. You are to speak. Who is going to give the utterance? The Holy Spirit. But it's me that will speak. I will speak in an unknown tongue. Praise God. In this scripture shows that in receiving the Holy Ghost and in praying in tongues and in ministering in tongues in public assembly, it is always the person himself that does the actual speaking. The actual speaking is done by the person, not the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will give supernatural utterance. That's what happens. I will stop the teaching today. We still have uh, uh, three more to go. And these next three is the most serious part of praying in the Holy Ghost. Go and meditate on these four parts. Make sure you understand them and be ready. If you're already speaking in tongues, good. It will bring more revelation into your spirit, man. Is that not correct? And this revelation will make you more solid to be able to minister it. And those of you who are not baptized with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking with new tongues, in this month of dominion we are entering into, you will gain ascendancy to dominion in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to prepare yourself that this month, it will be my month in Jesus' name. On Friday, by God's grace, after the teaching, we are going to be ministering the Holy Spirit. We are going to do it in a way that uh, probably we haven't even done it before in this church. Uh, we are going to ask those who are baptized with the Holy Spirit to come and minister to those who are not yet baptized. Amen? And we're just going to have a full flood in the house in Jesus' name. Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed by the word today. Please join our services live every Sunday, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. And Bible study every Friday, 7 p.m. at 95 Church Street, St. Catharines. We hope you have a wonderful week ahead and God bless you.